Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Here we go, episode 36 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network at Ken Sapon, at B McCarthy95, at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you a free shot at a $1 million top prize when you sign up and download the app using promo code THPN. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. It's easy to play. Pick six golfers, stay under the salary cap, and submit your lineup before the tournament tees off early Thursday morning. Then sit back and follow the action. The more red numbers they have on the leaderboard, the closer you'll be to winning some green. Rack up points for pars, birdies, finishing position, and more. Even though you may not be able to hit the course with the pros, DraftKings is giving you the chance to scratch your competitive itch and reign supreme. What do we want you to do? Download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, only on DraftKings Sportsbook is your shot to win a free shot at a $1 million top prize. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. No Brendan McCarthy this weekend as he had the Easter family obligation. So I'm happy to be joined by my coworker at TSN 1050. You can see his contributions to Overdrive on Mondays and throughout the week, really. He seems to be getting the call up all the time. And the host of the Locked on Leafs podcast, Michael DeStefano, a.k.a. Mike Al's brother, Mikey, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, man, happy to join you. Chat some Leafs, big weekend for the boys, couple of solid wins. So I'm here, I'm ready. Let's chat some uh, chat some Toronto puck. Buddy, I thought this was a really strong weekend for the team in general. Uh, a really strong effort on Friday night. Obviously, the team gets their first shootout win 
of the year with the 2-1 win over Winnipeg. And then they follow that up with a really nice effort getting the 4-2 win over Calgary last night. Let's start with the Winnipeg game, though. What did you see out of Toronto through that contest that you liked? Yeah, like I thought that it was just uh, a strong game. I mean, it, it was kind of an even game, I guess. There wasn't much going on. I felt both teams were kind of a little bit laid back in that one. But the fact that Toronto, it's funny. I, I was thinking to myself, have they actually been to a shootout? I, I can't remember the last time. The <laughs> it's been a while. We're in a shootout. They usually always end in overtime. It's like the Leafs have a great overtime record. I think they have one loss in OT, but usually they're the ones who end it um, before it even gets there. So uh, the fact that it went to a shootout was kind of kind of bizarre for, for Leafs fans. But, you know, uh, Jack Campbell was was fantastic again right like going out there making uh what do you have like 31 saves i think uh we're thinking back to friday now geez I, i'm just thinking <laughs> i know it's, a, it's been a couple days listen i'm with you on campbell and just to touch on the shootout nice finish by jason spezza he sort oh, of comes beautiful. in the rolling puck and he's still able to you know leave hellebuck's jockstrap in the corner so really liked that finish from spezza he's been playing outstanding for this team over the last stretch and what else can you say about jack campbell we've been talking about it ad nauseum on this podcast but his third period was outstanding against winnipeg i thought they yeah. had a number of 10 bell saves on top tier players um notably kyle connor sort of got a feed cross ice he was able to stone him sliding across there he's been everything that the Toronto Maple Leafs need out of the backup position to be quite frank. Now looking at the way the backups have performed to this point in the season, they improved to 12, two and one. Well, Frederick Anderson, when he was in net is 13, eight and two on the season. So for whatever reason, the backups are getting it done for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Michael Hutchinson getting it done for the Leafs against Calgary on Sunday evening. Yeah. Like I, I don't, Again, I'm with you, man. For whatever reason, at least you know what it is, though. Like they're they just they seem to play better in front of the backups. Like they seem to play more tighter and more of a simpler game, giving them a little more help out in front. And, and Anderson often kind of gets left out to dry. I find it's it's really bizarre. And for some reason, they just give a lot more help to the backups and the starting goaltenders. And it, it turns out to that they end up winning those games playing that way. So if, if I were the, the Maple Leafs, if I were Sheldon Keefe, I would look at this team and say, hey, look, the way that you play when Hutchinson's in net, the way that you guys are playing when Campbell's in net, why don't we do that for Freddie? You know, give Freddie an opportunity to make some stops himself here. Certainly. And maybe maybe we'll win some more games when he's in net and there'll be, you know, some low-scoring ones as well. So, you know, I, I don't want to put the blame on Freddie and say that he's just totally terrible and bad. And, look, he's having a, a – poor season let's we can't really sugarcoat that as of now jack campbell has given the Leafs the best goaltending that they've seen all season um in the you know minimal eight nine games that he's played uh, but he hasn't lost he's undefeated like this guy is is playing amazing um played great again on friday and then yesterday michael hutchinson won that game for toronto too like when when they came out flat-footed the first couple of periods it was him who had to make a couple of big stops to keep that one uh, to keep that one intact and eventually they woke up in the third and then the big boys got going Marner's or Matthew scored and then Tavares got a, 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 a kind of a, a garbage goal off of Hannafin and then he just locked it down and, and ended up winning that one four two so you know the backup goaltenders have really gotten it done for Toronto this year 
The one thing I've noticed about the backups, and this goes for Hutchinson as well as Campbell last night. Uh, Hutchinson gave up two in the first period, but then he didn't give up anything after that. And I think that's really important for this group is to just to stop the bleeding and give your team a chance. So even if you give up a couple early, as long as you're not giving up you know, three, four, five goals, this team is going to be able to put the puck in the net at a rate that they're going to be able to get you back into that contest. And I think that's what's been kind of the most important thing for these backup goalies who are coming into the net. As for your commentary about the team playing tighter in front of them, it's kind of an anomaly because, like, as we've heard Ray Ferraro talk about it on 1050 all the time, it's not as if the team is going out there and saying, oh, you know, it's Frederick Anderson, so we're not going to play as hard, harder defensively in front of him or whatever. But for whatever reason, when the backups are in the net, they're playing a tighter defensive game in front of these guys and keeping the shots to the outside and giving them a better opportunity to succeed. So if they can translate that sort of effort, I totally agree with you. In front of Frederick Anderson when he's between the pipes, then likely we'll start to see some better results from the Danish netminder the next time that he's healthy and able to climb back into the lineup. Uh, another note from the game against Calgary, Alex Galchenyuk gets his first goal for yep. the Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is a guy, I thought last night, the Nylander, Galchenyuk, Tavares line was the best line on the ice for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we've talked about it in weeks prior, but this is my first time talking about this player with you. He's really looked at home playing with those two guys on Toronto's second line. Yeah, and there was some talk, I think. I, I missed the pregame show, but if, if based on some comments that I saw, it seemed like Dave Poole and a coworker of ours was kind of saying that this could be the end of the Galchenyuk uh, experiment, perhaps, in, in Toronto, and, and you know the experiment on that second line because he hadn't scored yet. And I thought it was bizarre because he's played well. Like He hasn't gotten on the score sheet, sure, but he was playing well. He's playing... Um, with a lot of heart, giving 110. percent You know, he was digging for loose pucks. He was, you know, getting physical. He was making some nice plays. So that kind of surprised me a little bit to hear that chatter. And then I guess he did hear it though, because it gave him a little bit of a spark, and he ended up scoring tonight. And um, you know, it was it was, it was good to see because the way that he's played so far since coming up from the Marlies, uh, he's been fantastic, and finally getting rewarded with a goal was was really good to see and that line as a whole you're right they played extremely well even Tavares who's been like snake bitten all season long gets rewarded for his strong play with a garbage greasy goal that goes off of Hannafin's skate the right same, man exactly exactly <laughs> it's just it's rewarding someone who's who's yeah. just sticking with the process playing well and the hockey gods finally do something that goes his way after uh after having some tough luck as of late. So, you know, I've been really impressed with that line. Galchenyuk to me has definitely sparked that line. Cause I thought that maybe one game since he's been up, that line's been quiet, but outside of that, they've, they've actually been pretty good. Like they've been a service serviceable top six line. They've had a lot of opportunities. They've looked well, they haven't played as much as I think they used to earlier in the year. And, and maybe that's helping a guy like Tavares, only having to play 15, 16 minutes a night as opposed to 17, 18 minutes. Um, you know, i am been impressed with Galchenyuk, and I think he'll get a run here on that second line for sure. I think as well, like when you look at the advanced metrics, you know, possession and all that sort of stuff, it really shows that that line has played 
yeah. really well since they've been put yeah. together. So that's encouraging. And you leave them together when you see those sorts of results from the analytics, because ultimately, you know, people always talk about regressing to the mean. If you're dominating the possession numbers and you're dominating the expected goals, eventually you're going to start seeing the fruits of that line being together. And that's what we're starting to see now. I was also really happy to see Tavares get the greasy one at the end of the game last night, because even the other night against Winnipeg in the third period, he rang one off the post and he's just that close to getting back into that form that we've expected to see him in. I thought as well in the second goal or the last goal, I guess in the third period, that was an outstanding effort all around from all three of the players on that line, Matthews, Marner and Hyman. Matthews yeah. sort of chokes Kachuk off at the blue line, able to keep the puck in the zone. And then Hyman, as he does so many times, wins the one-on-one puck battle, finds Marner down below the goal line. Matthews releases, and then Marner finds him on the cross-ice feed to the back door, and it's in the back of the net. Just a great example of how fighting for a loose puck battle and just keeping the puck in the zone can pay dividends for your team. And they just when you have these players with this sort of offensive talent, they can strike like that. And that's what happened last night to really put the flames away with that two goal lead in the third period. Totally. And it was, it was like a, like a give and go, right? Like got the puck up for Matthews quickly over to Marner. who makes a nice move to get around the defenseman and gets his stick down and, and right away is able to fire out that one timer. And, you know, seeing him do stuff like that again, watching him, you know, rip that one timer without even a, a second thought, really does look like his wrist is healing up nicely and, and he's getting back on that goal scoring touch again. These what, yep. what goals in three straight or three or four games, something like that. So he's, he's back in a big way, which is going to be huge for this team down the stretch. And I think you can see it now. Like they've, you know, they're, they're, they've won what three straight to, to start this road trip. Now they've got uh, wins in four of their last five games. They're, they're really starting to roll yep, seven and, game point streak. A seven game points here exactly and a big reason for that is because Matthews is getting healthy and he's starting to find the score sheet again and when that line is clicking and now you got that second line clicking and then they're all playing well defensively as a team this is a really solid squad a really solid squad yeah and I think that if they can continue to play this way they'll have some great success this season Quick shout out to Morgan Riley, who played his 555th game with the club, which climbs into the top 10 list for games ever played with the franchise by defensemen. So it just shows you a little bit of the longevity that Riley's been able to have. And that's Ray Ferraro was pointing out. Sorry, go ahead. Got a Gino as well. Hopefully yeah, not, not, not bad. Not bad uh, night for Riley on a historic, historic uh, accomplishment, climbing into the top 10. Ray Ferraro mentioned this on the broadcast. It's so difficult to get into those numbers in the NHL, because not only do you have to play in an elite level to stay in the, to just get the games, but then you also have to stay healthy and just be able to contribute on a night in night in basis. Morgan Riley has been the most consistent defenseman on the team for quite some time. Albeit some people will say that he leaves something to be desired defensively. I don't think there's any arguing the importance of Riley to this group though, moving forward and what he they're going to have to need out of him if they're going to have success down the stretch and into the postseason. Certainly, like 100%. You could say that about any any you know player who is as important to this team as Riley is. Like any guy in the top six, any guy in your top four, they're going to be very important going forward. It's funny, I was having a conversation with uh, with Joe Narsa um, on my the podcast. The original Al. The original Al on uh, Lockdown Leafs. He joined <laughs> me on 
Thursday or Friday. Um, and he was talking about, you know, whether or not you consider his contract in the future, who because he's up next summer, right? Yeah. So if you consider that when you're going through your offseason this year with Zach Hyman and whatever you want to end up doing with the goaltending position, whether or not you have to, if you extend Travis Dermott and kind of all, all of that nonsense. And he's like, what do you do with, with Morgan Riley's? And, and in his mind, he's like, I don't know if you can think about that. You kind of have to let it marinate and, and figure it out once it gets there. Cause in his mind, Riley hasn't been that great, like that number one defenseman for the Maple Leafs. And at times, like he's right. He hasn't been that um, at times he's, he's, kind of exposed this this team a little bit and he has left a lot to be desired on the defensive end um luckily though they finally have a partner with him that can make up for a lot of those deficiencies right when when riley you know gets a little aggressive in the offensive end and the puck comes the other way on a two-on-one somebody like tj brody has done a pretty good job in playing those two-on-ones sometimes he gets you know a little sloppy and he'll you know go for the slide and it doesn't quite work but most a lot though it does most of the time it does, right? But when it doesn't, I get mad. Yeah. <laughs> it's because yeah, in my in my eyes, I'm always like, stay on your feet. You're you're playing hockey here, not uh not belly sliding. But I, I, I can see that. Anyways. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, with the Riley conversation, I think it's going to be an interesting one looking down the stretch because you look especially at a lot of these big contracts that defensemen have been signing over the last little while. And I don't think anybody would be able to argue effectively that Riley is due for a pretty substantial raise from where he's at right now. Whether you want to talk about whether that's, you know, 8 million a year, 9 million a year, 7 million a year, whatever the hell you want to talk about, it's going to be a substantial raise because the open market is going to be willing to pay that. And when you look at the other contracts that have been forked out over the last couple of years, two defensemen that are in the echelon that we're talking about, whether it's Drew Doughty or whether it's Eric Carlson or whether it's Alex Petrangelo, it's a big ticket, and oftentimes they don't age very well over the next two or three seasons after they sign the deal. I mean, no. my God, that Eric Carlson contract looks like the biggest boat anchor in the league right now with the way yeah. that he has been performing for San Jose. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't look great. And that's that's kind of the thing where you're looking at Riley. He's what approaching 30, I think he's what 28, maybe at this point, 27, 28. So like he's get he's getting up there. Uh, I think he's still got a couple years left of pretty solid hockey in him. So um, it won't be quite as bad where it's like Carlson signed the deal. And then following season yeah, when the deal off the back injury and all that, yeah. And, and all that was, was kind of bad. And you no know, doubt he's having a resurgence of a year. So that's, that's good to see for that. But yeah, when it comes to, to Morgan Riley and, and his contract, I mean, when when I hear the the numbers eight nine million, I uh, that you cringe. You have me, to cringe. Man, that scares me. I I can't. I, I the Leafs can't do that. First and foremost, they they legitimately just can't afford it. Yeah. Um, with the with the way that they're doing things, unless they move out, you know, like a Nylander or a Tavares, which I I doubt they want to do to to bring back Morgan Riley. Um, Tavares with the no move as well, so it's like he would have uh, to sign off. And, and he's your yeah. cap. Yeah, right? so he's not. Yeah, no, I'm with you and. Dubas has been pretty open that he doesn't want to move either of those players. So it's going to be something that needs to be addressed. I always promise that I don't want to do the cap talk, really. I know. <laughs> during I the, know. Especially during the regular season, because he's obviously going to be a member of this team, I would expect, at the beginning of next year. 
For sure. And then it'll be a, let's see what happens. Let's see how this plays out, and we'll see what the numbers are. Maybe it's a situation where the salary cap, cap starts to inflate a little bit more uh, and then see upcoming seasons, probably not this year, but maybe the season after they can see a little bit of wiggle room there. So tough to project that far ahead, but it'll certainly be a concern. Uh, before we move on to the around the league segment, I just want to get your thoughts on the Leafs power play. And I want to make a huge deal about this because the Leafs right now are atop the Canadian division, 53 points, Winnipeg and Edmonton, who have both played the same amount of games trail with 47 points. I know the halves have like five games in hand, but you know, show me those games when you're able to convert them into points that actually matter in the standings. I don't really think that they're worth a damn until you actually convert them into wins. So remains to be seen, Uh, obviously Toronto with a contest against Montreal upcoming this Wednesday as well, but this has been a topic of conversation. The Leafs are now 0 for 27 in their last 10 games on the power play. Now, you can probably attribute a lot of this to the injury to Austin Matthews' wrist, but this group has enough talent up front that they yeah. should still be able to put the puck in the net. What No goals in their last 10 games seems absurd for this group. Yeah, I mean, you can, I guess, say, attribute a small percentage of it, but, like, Marner can score. Tavares can score. Nylander can score. Hyman can score. Riley. You know, Riley can score on. from the point. Spesa, whoever. Exactly. Like Jumbo in front of the net. Wayne Simmons can bang away at a puck in front of the net. Like there are multiple pieces on these on this this Leafs power play, both units that can score. That can put the puck in the net. We were seeing it happen earlier in the season. They were they were firing all cylinders. That power play was a big reason. Percent or something. Yeah, it was a big reason why they were winning a lot of games earlier in the season. And for whatever reason, it has gone ice cold. Um they're just they're not it, it doesn't seem like they're getting him in, in the proper positioning to, to even shoot the puck. Uh, I, I was talking about this with uh, Jim Ralph, actually, from, uh, you know, the color commentator for the radio games. And he was saying that, yeah, it doesn't seem like they're like a guy like Matthew should just be in position the way that Ovechkin is in position right in his wheelhouse, right in the in the around the face off dot and just waiting for those passes for him to rip one timers. It doesn't seem like he he does that as often as he should. And I feel like movement a lot of the time. Like you see Austin Matthews, I've noticed a lot on the power play, like scooting up to the blue line and they kind of get some momentum and then he comes down the boards and tries to pick up the pass while he's got some momentum. And it's worked well at times, but they need to change something up because the results aren't there. And like you said, you can't, you're telling me you can't get one greasy one with Simmons in front of the net or one point shot from Riley that gets deflected by Joe or any, you can't get any of that. Imagine this though. They haven't scored a power play goal in what is it? 10 games. Yeah. And they're over for the last 27. And they still, yet they're still a on a seven game. Streak. Yeah. Still on a seven game point streak and have like a six point lead or something like that in the division. Like just once that power play gets going, imagine how much they can really take control of this division and start winning a, a plentiful of games. I've, I'm, I'm with you that if you're going to have trouble, have trouble now and then figure it out before the end stretch here and before you head into the postseason because everybody knows the refs swallow their whistles once the postseason starts anyway. So yeah, it's not going to be as that. important. Oh, we, sorry, might not, we might not see that now. After all what we've heard about officiating over the last little bit, they might start calling a lot more than uh, 
a lot more than usual. We'll see. I'll, be I'll believe it when I see it. Until I see that, I'm going to run under the assumption that NHL officials will govern themselves as they have for the last hundred years and just let the guys play in the postseason. So to your point, though, if it, it's going to be equally as important for the Leafs to figure this out down the stretch here and to be able to convert if there's going to be less opportunities because – Ultimately, if you're getting uh, 27 opportunities, basically three a game over the last 10 games, and you can't convert on any of those, like it's going to put you in a bad spot when you start playing the more difficult competition. You might be able to get get away with it against Calgary and Ottawa and whoever the hell else you're playing in the Canadian division, but they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, just a quick, we'll hit the tweet of the day before around the league. Uh, Jeff Patterson tweeting out the Flames have gone, or under Jeff Ward went 11, 11, and two. Well, under Daryl Sutter, they have now dropped to 5-9-1 and one, and have lost seven of their last eight games. So, yikes for Calgary right now. It's 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 awful, man. Like, I, I thought Calgary was going to be a good team. I had them coming in as the second-best team behind Toronto coming into the year. I thought they showed up the goaltending, got uh, Jacob Marstrom. You know, they, they went out, they got a solid defense defenseman in Chris Tanev. Um, I figured a, a solid back back uh performance from uh, johnny goudreau would be great maybe monahan even but like none of that has happened and even kachuk has fallen off kachuk hasn't done anything this year so everything is kind of going wrong disaster it's just all going wrong for this team right now they can't get goaltending they can't score uh, they just can't do anything and and and, <laughs> and they got their I coach thought... ripping everybody a new one in the post-game pressers well, yeah, that pressers. Too. That too. <laughs> it, it sucks too because I, I thought they were going to have a good year, and then when they fired um, Jeff, and Ward. Brought, Jeff Ward and brought in Sutter, I was like, okay, I think this actually may work. I think there's still enough time they could fix things. Um, I think the way that this team is built is more of a uh, a Sutter esque type team. You know, they don't have much offensive firepower. They got a good goaltending. They got good defense. You know, they can kind of just play simple and keep it low scoring and then just ha have a you know score on a couple of goals, uh, some lucky ones maybe, and try and grind out some 3-2, 2-1 games. And they did that early, the first three games, but since then, it has been atrocious. They have very quickly, um, other teams have picked up on, on how to beat this team. I mean, they just got dummied by Ottawa. Like that, it's, it's, it's not good. The, the way that this team is, is going and they currently are what underneath Vancouver. They're two games. They had two games ahead of Vancouver and, and currently tied, which they're going through their own little issues. But, you know, everyone thinks Vancouver is out of it. Calgary's way more out of it than Vancouver at this point now, uh, especially the way that they've been playing. And they were terrible again uh, yesterday. Let's move to around the league. So just while we're on the Flames topic, uh, congratulations to Mark Giordano, who scored his 500th career NHL point on his birthday, nonetheless. So nice little birthday gift for him and his family. I believe he made a promise to his kid before the game that he would get his 500th career point on his birthday. So nice for him to follow through on that. You had mentioned the Canucks having issues of their own. It's pretty bad right now. Their COVID outbreak is getting out of control. Uh, Darren Dreger reporting 19 players, three coaches have tested positive. There's reports that spread like into their families as well. It's a 
pretty bad situation in Vancouver right now, and you wonder how this team is going to be able to even field a roster to play the rest of their games on the schedule with the amount of time and the amount of players that they're going to be have sitting out if they're sitting out for the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, the, this is totally different from anything that the NHL has seen, anything that I think sports has seen. I think this is the first uh, North American sports team to deal with the Brazilian variant, which apparently is just like this super way more contagious yeah like yeah so and and clearly that that's why this has taken a run right through the entire team and um yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see how things kind of shake out because there was a report about how players were getting like really sick and how doctors were going to to the the players houses and like hooking them up to ivs to hydrate them because they're just like up vomiting the entire night. And it, it, apparently it's been really bad out there. And some guys are getting really sick, which it has typically not been the case. People who kind of get COVID for the most part have kind of just been eh, minor symptoms, if not asymptomatic, but they did test positive. So they have to isolate for a week. It's now to the point where the Canucks, I guess they're having some serious symptoms and, and, and now it's not just, okay, you know, isolate for a week and come back. It, it is to the point where it's like, okay, even if they isolate, like, how are they going to be coming back? Like, how lethargic is this team? How much time are they going to need to get back into game shape when you got other teams who are are going on playoff runs here, who are in midseason form, and they're just getting off their couch after being there for for a week and a half? Uh, you know, you talk about it, the Raptors. I think Pascal Siakam came out and said he lost fifteen pounds when he was down for two weeks due to, due to COVID. Like if, if this is happening to some of these guys in the, in, in the Canucks locker room and it, there's a, a, like 20, 19 of their players, that's, that's basically their whole roster. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know, man. I, I really don't know. I don't think they're going to close up shop in Vancouver and say that their season is over and just kind of forfeit. The rest no, they'll of the try team. to they'll try to get it done, but it's like, what kind of a roster are they going to be fielding? And yeah, I mean, like the concern is not even really like I don't want to make it about the rest of their games. Obviously, no, the concern the is about the health of the family, the families, and the players who have been, you know, affected by this. And it's scary stuff because everybody's always talked about, you know, how athletes or, or how like younger people or athletes or whatever aren't as affected by this. But obviously, in this circumstance, they've been ex- there. People are extremely sick, and they've been. It's basically ravaged their whole organization. So oh, it's, a, it's a bad look right now in Vancouver, and you just hope that they're able to you know, get this thing under control and that nobody um, is really neg- more negatively affected than they've been to this point because it's a scary scene for the Canucks right now. Um, not to be, like make levity of the situation, but also do want to just give a happy birthday to Bo Horvat, who turns 26 Monday. So that's when we're recording this episode. Uh, Monday, April fifth. So happy birthday to their captain Bo, and uh, obviously you know, terrible thought, birthday present. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thoughts and prayers for the Canucks organization that they can fight through this because it's not been an easy stretch for the organization. Elsewhere in the Canadian division, Eric Stahl expected to make his Habs debut against the Oilers today on Monday, April fifth. What are you expecting to see the contributions for um, Eric Stahl on his new club? Um. I mean, I guess I would say I've got a light expectations to start, right? I, I'm 
Uh, he was uh, somebody who I thought the Leafs would be a pretty good target to go out and get if they wanted uh, an upgrade at the kind of third center position. Like I think Eric Stahl at this point probably is better than than Alex Kerfoot would be, and it's roughly the same price. But for him in Montreal, I think that uh, he, he'll bring some good veteranness to that locker room, and I think he'll be a good fit. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, over the last five years has still been – has contributed a lot offensively when he was in, in Minnesota. And I think that he is somebody who could bring a second little element to that team that desperately needs it. Um, they're a little weak down the middle. And I think having guys like Kakaniemi and Nick Suzuki learn from a guy like Eric Stahl will do wonders for their career and probably really help them progress. Cause I don't think they have that kind of, Joe Thornton-esque guy or that Patrick Marlowe-esque guy that like Marner and Matthews had to lean on over there. Um, and, and now they do get that in someone like Eric Stahl. So to me, I feel like, like kind of as a, an off-the-ice um, ad will be just as impactful for the guys and the young players there as he will be on the ice. Meanwhile, Alex Ovechkin ties Brett Hall for second most power play goals in NHL history. Uh, that's number 725. And the Caps have now swept the season series against the devils <laughs> eight games so disastrous season series for the devils against the capitals and ovechkin just continues to it seems like break records that have been around forever like every two weeks yeah well he's gotten to that point now where it's like elite company it, it's it well it's just there's not many goals like there's not many guys who scored that many goals. Right. So you've got this little cluster who have gotten up into like the late 700, 800 goal mark. And now he's just hunting them down one by one. Right. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's game fun a hundred percent. And it's, it's fun to watch because this guy's on fire right now. Like he's really going out there and chasing every record he possibly can. And I mean, he's Alex Ovechkin. I, this guy scores in bunches too. And right now, He's scoring a bunch of goals, uh, but he's, he's to me, I think he's the greatest goal scorer in hockey history. Like I really do. Um, you think about the players that he's beating, how many goals were scored in a game back in the eighties and nineties when these guys were, were in the game, right? Like these were high scoring affairs and he's going out there and just passing them week by week. It's insane. Sometimes I watch like older, like seventies or eighties highlights or even early nineties for that matter. If you were a goalie, sometimes like you the goaltenders are just standing there, and the puck comes at them, and they just fall over, and the puck goes in the net. Yeah. <laughs> like, no like what the hell are these guys doing? I don't blame them. They had paper thin padding. Uh, you want to stop a puck with with paper thin pads? No, thank you. Like, no, I don't. But that's why I didn't become a goaltender. It was just like, no. Your point is well received, though. He's doing it against elite competition in a time when the goaltending has been, you know, tightened up to the point where they're the best like across the league the goaltending position has been outstanding over the last couple seasons so it's been really impressive to watch Ovechkin and the way that he's been able to climb the list and certainly he'll be sniffing around that uh number one number two slot by the end of his career now it'll be all eyes to see if he can actually catch Gretzky for the top mark which is uh sort of starting to slip away a little bit but they're still uh an off chance that he'll be able to catch Gretzky for number one all time. Uh, don't look now, but the Florida Panthers have continued just to be on a roll this season. They've now have the most points through 39 games in their franchise history, 26, nine and four 
is good for 60 or 56 points rather. They've been outstanding. And now you're really starting to see the dividends of bringing in head coach Joel Quinville and the stability that he's been able to bring to that organization. Yeah, just taking a look at the standings. They're number one in the league. Number one in the league. Who thought that was real? Like, I don't think anybody expected this. I thought Florida was going to take a step back this year. Like, you think about a team that lost Mike Hoffman, they lost Evgeny Dodonov, um, and a couple other guys. And and what happens? Someone like Carter Verhage comes up and turns into an 18 goal scorer out of nowhere. Former Leafs draft pick Carter Verhage, I might add. Um, Justin Huberto having a heart like season. Oh, unreal season. Aaron Eckblad before until, his injury yeah. was Ooh. was having a, a you know a banner year and. But even still, like the injury comes and they just keep her going. A guy like Gustav Forsling comes in and is unreal for them playing 22 minutes a night. Like who's heard of Gustav Forsling, right? He's just – this team is just rolling right now. Um, they're playing great. They're getting some pretty good goaltending out of both Bobrovsky and Chris Dreger, um, who just had another shutout last night. Um, so I, I think that the the Panthers have been the biggest surprise – out of any of these teams in the NHL, I didn't think they were going to be a playoff team this year, or maybe they were going to battle for that fourth spot in a pretty weak division. Turns out they're the number one team in the NHL. Like I, I who saw that coming? Joel Quenville definitely is getting my vote for, for coach of the year. I wonder how much as well was just him just being around the game for so long and just coming in and immediately identifying players who are being detrimental to the culture that they want to establish in Florida because he's shipped out a number of guys, you know, it's, and even if it's, you know, for via trade or via just, we're not going to resign this guy and let him walk yeah. in free agency. There's been a number of changes made since he came in and it seems to be, he seems to be hitting all the right notes for what this group has been able to accomplish this year. And it, it's really just lucky for the Maple Leafs that they're in the Canadian division because otherwise you would be dealing with Tampa Bay, Florida, the Bruins who are on a little bit of a slide lately, but I don't think anybody wants to see them in the postseason, even if they're on a little bit of a skid in the regular season. And you're just going to be beating each other up and seeing one of those teams in the first round who, to be quite frank, are going to be, who look to be much more difficult competition than anybody north of the border is going to be for the Maple Leafs in the first two rounds of the playoffs. So a little bit of luck working for Toronto as well. Let's move to the bar. All right, Mikey, first time at the bar for you. Uh, I'm going to go with Julian Merriweather as my choice. This guy has been outstanding for the Toronto Blue Jays over the first couple of games of the season against the New York Yankees. Once upon a time, this man was a player to be named later coming back in the deal for Josh Donaldson and, you know, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro were sort of saying, you know, we got a hell of an arm coming back. And you figured that that's just kind of lip service from them and stuff that they have to say. Well, it turns out that they weren't messing around because this guy has just the meanest stuff 
Like you yeah. see the Blue Jays closer go down Kirby Yates at the beginning of the year with Tommy John surgery. Everybody's like, well, who the hell is going to close games for this team? Merriweather comes in. He's throwing 100-mile-per-hour fastballs, 78-mile-per-hour change-ups, and a slider in the mid-80s. And when you're having that change in velocity, it's going to cause big leaguers a lot of problems, not to mention the fact that all he does is come in and throw strikes. I believe you know 90% of his pitches so far to this point in the season have been strikes, and he's retiring batters against a good lineup that is the New York Yankees. So Looking, looking. Yeah. He's been absolutely outstanding. He's going to be having a cocktail at the bar uh, celebrating his early season success. And Atkins and Shapiro might be joining him just saying, we found, you know, this is found money. But then again, at the end of the day, you this was the return for one of your top players that you shipped out of town. So nice to see that trade is paying dividends for the team in a year where they're expected to be at least competitive in the American League East. Yeah, definitely not found money. I mean, they gave up quite a quite a piece to get him into the organization. For, as, but... far, as far as the fan base is concerned, I think it's found money. I'm <laughs> going to give Atkins and Shapiro well, credit, though, because they know more about baseball than this guy. And yeah. they knew that this guy was going to be able to be a contributor in the lineup. And certainly he has been to this point. They deserve a lot more credit than people give them for. I've I've been more of a, a fan of the the Shatkins era than most people. I would say you know, I, was, I was big on the Marcus <laughs> Stroman trade, which has turned out to be to be good. But even at the time, I was like, these are two solid prospects. Like I don't know why everyone's complaining. It's like, oh, they're not top 100s. I'm like, they could be. And what happens? Simeon Wood Richardson ends up in the top 100 uh, a year later. So, you know, I've, I've been big fans of him. And the one misstep that they made, I think, was the fact that they waited too long to trade Donaldson. You know, there was that rumor circulating in the summer or uh, the uh, the winter, the offseason, before going into that season where they traded him, was that there was an offer on the table from uh, St. Louis and Jack Flaherty was involved. That would have been probably the best time to Slam make that deal. Take it to the bank. Yeah, that would have been the best time to make that deal. But, uh, you know, they didn't. And I think that's the lone misstep so far that I've seen them make. Uh, and, 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 you know, they somewhat made up for it by at least getting somebody who looks like is going to be a major contributor like they alluded to when they first made the deal to the big club in, in Julia Merriweather. And hopefully, uh, you know, he can stay healthy. Um, which has been kind of a concern a little bit for him in his career, but hopefully he can stay healthy and stay on the field and he'll have a chance to save a lot of ball games for this team. I think the, the, the Jays are in a pretty good spot. I like this team going forward, taking yeah. uh, two of three from the Yankees in the opening series. That's, that's really encouraging to see. Whenever you see uh, the people with the little Jack Eichel pictures on Twitter, just losing it over the way that the Blue Jays are pitching. And I'm like, yes, I, I love to see that. It's a, it, it brings me great joy because they, I mean, they figure the, at least the Yankees can give them some, some uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, give them some positivity. But Toronto has just been their daddy. Uh, who you got at the bar? So I took a little bit of a different uh, spin on this. I guess I didn't take quite look at it like a week-to-week, who do I want to chat with this week kind of deal. Yeah, uh, whoever you want, man. Like- it doesn't matter. For me, I went totally off the board here, and and I I chose like Joe Rogan just because I feel like Joe oh, Rogan true. would be okay. one of the most interesting. I I, I respect. Like, he'd be choice. like a super. Yeah, like, he'd just be a super interesting dude to talk about. Like, you listen to his podcast, the guy just has probably has the most like widest knowledge 
of anybody in the world. Like he could talk about honestly anything and credit to him. He clearly does his research. It's not like this is just, he just knows things just to know things. Like he just has amazing guests on his podcast of all varieties, right? So he needs (laughs) research in order to have these two, three, four hour conversations with these people, right? Like, you know, and I know as, as like, you know, somewhat journalists, people who interview people, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to do a little bit of research to do these conversations, to have these interviews, or else you're going to run out of material five minutes in. So, you know, Joe Rogan, just the, the, we could talk about anything, you know, he wants to talk about hockey. He could do it. You want to talk about UFC. He could do it. You want to talk about the acting scene. He wants to get some old stories from when he was on the road. You want to talk about, yeah, politics you want to talk about spacex you want to talk about whatever it is anything. automotive yeah he's, he's got he's wearing so many hats it's very impressive exactly and i feel like you could just sit there have some pints with the guy down like a, a few jugs of uh jugs of water with him and it would just be a good time just sit there and if i like if there was one celebrity that i could have a drink with it'd be joe rogan like hands down um so that's, that's a good kind choice, of, man i yeah, I, I appreciate I that <laughs> i appreciate your candor on that it's uh it's definitely like a different feel than like we've not gone for in the segment in the past but i can't disagree with you i would love to have a drink with that guy and pick his brain and just you know how like i'm certain that if you go back and listen to all his podcasts which i believe are only on spotify now so yeah you gotta get the membership with them but um you know who you else know, if you go back and just like pick his brain it'd be so interesting just to you know- hear the stories you know what is my favorite podcast? It's just pure gold. It's comedy from start to finish. It's a four and a half hour podcast. Have you listened to his podcast with Alex Jones? No. You need to <laughs> go back it. and tune in. You need to do this. It, this guy, it's uh, it's with Alex Jones and Johnny Bravo. And he, this guy like loses his nut eight or nine times. And it's just the funniest thing watching. <laughs> I feel I felt like he was gonna have a heart attack eight or nine times during that podcast. Like if you watch the video, you could see him getting red and just getting so angry yeah, and so that. animated. It's fantastic, and there's some strange conversations had in that one. So like some like they take like this this hallucination drug and it opens some portal to like uh, an alternative universe and they see these little clockwork yeah like it's about dmt and discussions about you know if if you know aliens are are among us and you can see them if you are on these drugs because it clears your mind and blah 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 it's super bizarre and, and and hilarious to listen to and um it's just actually like fascinating like say what you want about alex jones guys also just kind of an up bar but it's a really fascinating conversation and also hilarious would recommend to a friend yes like 10 times out of 10 if you got four hours of free time uh or just you know kind of I, I might need to break it up into two yeah. different listening sessions because i don't know four hours to yeah, lock it in three. but two or three yeah yeah but it's yeah, a solid what... listen that's what I'll do. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Um, Michael Stefano. give the listeners a quick shout out to where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Uh, also, you can find my podcast uh, wherever you find your podcast at, at Locked on Leafs. We do uh, daily Maple Leafs podcasts. So uh, tonight we're going to be doing a post game show. I think I'll be having Tony Ferrari from uh, Dauber Prospects on 
to chat post game. So that'll be a fun one. So uh, come check me out at Locked On Leafs on Twitter and Locked On Leafs wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate it, Mikey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Follow our social media accounts at Ken Stapon, at McCarthy95, at LeafsPod, at HockeyPodNet. And we'll catch you next time.